Hello, everyone. Welcome to Mahita Talks. I'm your host, Sherry Altergut, the Chief Experience Officer at the CX Edge. So last month, we had the chance to talk about culture, which is one of my favorite topics. Um, and not to take anything away from last month's presentation, because I think it was great. But today, we get to talk about the customer experience, which is something that I love so much, I even name my company after it. I'm so excited to welcome our guest today, Dave Bayoki owner of Renaissance Dealer Services. Welcome, Dave. Oh, well, thank you. It's good to be here. Well, I can't, I've been looking for it all week to have somebody else to talk about the customer experience with. So thank <laughs> you so much for joining me today. Sure. Um, I, I like to start off Mahita Talks just for our audience to get to know you a little bit more. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your company and how you got started in material handling. Sure. Resident Dealer Services uh, was started in 2013, and it was a natural outgrowth of things that I was doing inside my own dealership. I, I got into the forklift business back in 1983, so I've been at this the better part of 40 years. And um, I had positions in sales. I was a rental manager. I was a used equipment manager. I was a general sales manager. I got a chance to buy a dealership with some partners in 1999 and uh, had a chance to move from sales back to the aftermarket end of the business and look at a lot of the processes where we interface with customers and make adjustments and start initiatives that made that process better and resonate with both the customer, the employee, and even the, the vendor, the OEM. Uh, and it was so successful that I started to replicate that at other dealerships. And before you know it, I had a business going. And uh, so I, I sold my shares in our dealership uh, to my very capable partners. And I started uh, Resonant Dealer Services full time in 2016. And I've been taking these customer experience uh, adjustments that I make inside a dealership around the country. So it's been a lot of fun. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I love the business model. I think I've talked to a lot of people in a lot of different companies that focus on the sales side and train the sales side. And the aftermarket side is such a critical component to most material handling dealerships. Yeah. And yeah. the focus on that, I think, is really fantastic. So yeah. that, that's great. So we've talked kind of prior to this session a little bit about mm -hmm. customer experience. And I think, you know, over the last 10 years, it's sort of become this lofty term that I don't know a lot of people, if you ask 10 people to define customer experience, you would get 10 different answers. Mm -hmm. um, so I was curious from your perspective and just to kind of table this conversation and set the stage, how would you define what the customer experience is? Well, my definition of the customer experience probably starts with a premise. You know, uh, it's what do we want before what we're going to do. Yeah, I always like to to point out the fact in 1989, Stephen Covey wrote a book called the, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and I read that book back in the late 80s, uh, early 90s, and really patterned my the rest of my career after those seven habits. And it's timeless. It doesn't matter what economy you're in, doesn't matter how much data you have, those, those habits are the same no matter what. And, and I bring that up because Covey uh, likes to challenge people that before you go and try to do something to improve whatever the process is you're trying to improve, 
that you take a look at your, that you think it all the way through before you just start to apply solutions, you step back and really think through all the things as if the person you're talking to is looking at it. Look, get around on their side of the table and take a look at it from their perspective. And you know, the very first habit of the seven habits is be proactive. And I think that that is at the heart of the customer experience. Are we getting in front of the process? The second one is start with the end in mind, which is perfect for the customer experience, because unless we know how we want our process to look and feel and smell and taste, we're, we're not going to end up there because we don't have a good picture of where we want to end up. So uh, I think that you, it, the customer experience to me is defined by asking yourself a set of questions. Uh, number one, what does my customer really want from me? Uh, number two, how do I want them to feel at the end of the process? It's not just what do I want them to know, but how do I want them to feel about it? And are our interactions with them consistent with our messaging? And do our interactions demonstrate our unique value proposition? Because every dealer has a value proposition, but are they highlighting it in their customer experience? Is that a goal? of highlighting what we're really good at. Many companies seem to have a disconnect uh, between their messaging and their processes. Uh, and I like to use, you know, when it comes to face-to-face -face or voice-to-voice -voice communications, it's very important we do that intentionally. I always like to talk about the Home Depot. And a long time ago, the Home Depot had, had a tagline. And the tagline was, you can do it, we can help. And that's what they said every time the commercial came on, you can do it, we can help. What they delivered was you can do it by yourself because there was really nobody at Home Depot that wanted to help. So, so that's a part, that is a part where here is what our, our mission statement is, here's what our, our goal is for customer the customer experience, but they were not delivering that. They didn't have processes in place that were connected uh, with their with their uh, uh, with their messaging, so to uh, and also to align your value proposition and your messaging with an intentional plan about how to communicate with the customer. That's really the definition of of the the customer experience. Can we do we know what what it want, what we want it to look like? Do we know that resonates with the customer? Is our messaging aligned with our actual processes? And does it present a value proposition that is meaningful uh, to the customer? Yeah, I agree. You wrote up a lot of great points there. I think the Home Depot example is, <laughs> is such a great example. And I think yeah. it transfers to, you know, it's a general example, but it transfers into every industry and especially material handling. And I think in a lot of organizations, marketing and sales can sometimes be disconnected from aftermarket or from the other elements of the business. So you have marketing kind of driving this message and promoting this message, but other layers within the organization either don't understand it, haven't been trained to do it, and there's a huge disconnect between what you say and what you deliver. And that, to me, crumbles any hope at ever having a great customer experience. Yeah, yeah it's true. Um, you, had, you had brought up Stephen Covey's book, and you know, I think it's so true that customer experience has always been here. And especially in marketing, we've always done customer experience. This is not new. 
but we just started calling it something, you know, but it's something that every organization has focused on from the beginning of time. And now we have the ability to kind of harness that in and given the competitive environment, it's become so much more important because it really can be the difference maker of keeping a customer, losing a customer, getting a customer, not getting a customer. So, yeah, so true. Yeah. I think that's a lot of great points. And now that we've kind of defined what we think it is, you know, and again, I, I've done presentations where I ask people in the room of executives who here thinks customer experience is important and everybody raises their hand. But then my follow-up question is, how many people have strategies and assets dedicated towards improving the customer experience and very few hands go down, right? So yeah. it leads a question that we think it's important, but what are we doing to really right. put it top of mind? Right. So right. I was wondering if you could go through maybe some benefits to an organization, specifically material handling, of really developing a customer experience strategy and initiative. Well, I think in material handling, um, you know, dexterity is probably uh, our biggest uh, a need. Um, the needs of the marketplace are so wide and diverse. You know, not only does a customer need machinery, but he's going to need an emergency repairs and parts. And there's so many other assets and points at which we serve the customer. And not all of those things processes. Not all of them highlight the same strengths. And all of them perhaps need different messaging because the messaging that works for sales may not be the message that works for service. It may not be the thing that resonates with the customer. It may be very different. Uh, for instance, you know, in sales, our six goal may be uh, to ensure that the customer is confident in our ability to help him manage his fleet costs or uh, that the solutions we propose can be measured and that that value can be tangibly proven. That, that may be, I want my customer to feel that way when I leave. But in service, that goal may be to leave the customer with the feeling that we understand the urgency of a needed repair. We dispatch the right technician with the right training, the right tools, and the right part of the van. All right, those are two different things, but they're they're identified by their department. And I don't like departments. I think we need to de-departmentalize as much as we can. We tend to think in departmental terms, and here's the customer doesn't care. He doesn't care about our departments. He just wants a seamless solution, right? He he wants it to be invisible and effective and, and for the problems to just disappear because we're the guys on the job. And But that takes us knowing what the customer is going to want and all of the different challenges they're going to run across. And are we prepared to create a customer experience for each one of those needs and challenges? Um, I, I think that, you know, material handling is a, a, a six-headed animal. It's, it's not simply, here's my widget, it solves this problem. Uh, there, there are so many nuances to it and so, so many agendas and uh, uh, so much emotion that's tied to it because when the forklift stops working, you can't unload the trucks, that's, that's an issue for more than one person. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, having, having these things set in stone with how we're going to go about uh, communicating with the customer is very important. Yeah, I think, you know, and I don't know that it's unique to this industry, but it's definitely prevalent in this industry. 
the idea of what you said about departments. I've worked with a lot of clients that they get so hung up on. We have so many acronyms. You have a, a BSM, a CSM, an FSM, a, yeah. you know, a whatever. And trying and they really try to explain all of these layers to the customer and it's such a good point that the customer really doesn't matter and the customer experience really is about stepping outside of how we're structurally organized for whatever right. reason and we don't have to communicate that in that way to the customer you know they just want one person to talk to right um you know so i think coming up with a strategy is, is hugely important it shows the dedication that's the only way to improve is to come up with a strategy I've worked with clients that when we start talking about customer experience, it seems so big and it seems like such a cultural yeah. undertaking and it certainly yeah. can be, but we try to talk about, you can't, you know, change the world overnight. Let's kind of crawl before we walk, before we run. So do you have any suggestions of, of simpler strategies that maybe people could use as just a starting point to start affecting the customer experience in a positive way? Yeah, I think that, uh, and I'm going to go back to a departmental standpoint. You know, I think the process starts with defining the primary customer service goal in each department, right? What do we do best in our rental department? What are we really good at in the service department? You know, what what is our uh, number one key offering that nobody else has in the sales department? Let's figure out what we're really good at. And let's just try to wrap the customer communication experience around that strength. And I think that's a good way to start with just one idea, not a whole host of here's how you talk to a customer, but just one idea. It may be response time. It may be we do fleet management better than anybody else, or maybe we have parts delivery, or we can get a rental to you 24 seven, or we have loyalty rewards, you know, whatever resonates with your customer based on that departmental function is what you should start to wrap your customer experience training around. This is what we want to highlight. And I think that's a good way to start the conversation uh, in a dealership without having a ground up, uh, you know, a memorized, canned sort of a experience that we want to train everybody in how to, how to speak to a customer, because it is very departmentalized. Absolutely. I think a lot of times, you know, I'm a big believer in data-driven information, making decisions based off of data, and really having a measurement tool for every initiative mm -hmm. that you have. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important for customer experience. I think sometimes, especially on the aftermarket side, and, and sometimes on the sales side as well, we get hung up in the metrics are solely driven by the P&L. You know, and I think those are important metrics. Of course, we need to be there. But when it comes to measuring the customer experience, mm -hmm. yeah, how would you go about measuring that in a mechanism that you can determine if you're improving or declining? Yeah, and a lot of dealers uh, use a lot of different metrics and think that they're measuring their customer experience uh, when they're really measuring performance or effectiveness. Uh, you know, they use first time fixed, they use response time, they use parts fill rates, they use gratis repairs, and they say, if we're doing well in all these categories, then we are really managing our customer experience. And what? And it's not that that's bad, they're being effective. But once again, it's not about what we do, it's about how the customer feels. Are we making them feel like a, like a valued customer, a partner in the process, rather than just a vendor? 
that's you know passing out what what he does and i think that um if we want to make uh, the 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 effectiveness thing is important, but the I, the questions are, how are we making the customer feel? Did we meet his expectations? How can we make our interactions more intuitive? Uh, and we won't know that unless we have a robust field follow polling initiative. And I think that uh, here's what I don't recommend. When I say that, people think, let me email you a survey. Well, <laughs> let me tell you how excited you get, Sherry. When somebody emails you a survey, uh, I mean, yeah. uh, most email surveys, 90, 92% of them get thrown in the trash bin. They don't get looked at. The the 8% that get returned are normally the comment complainer, the, the person who really loves to critique and complain. <laughs> uh, and so you get the drama kings and queens in there, and uh, they can't define your actual progress with the customer experience. So right. uh, I found it most effective to abandon these, fill out this form, and just to call a group of customers, a different group every month, and pick them at random, and get voice to voice with them, and say, hey, I'm calling to figure, to, to just figure out from you, how are we doing? How did we do? Did we treat you with respect? Did you did you feel like we were trying to help you? You know what was missing in in our offering, and that sort of personal touch, that that one-on-one uh, -on -one connection, really engenders a lot of honesty, and you get responses that will be much more meaningful in you adjusting your approach to the customer than any pre either a pre-printed form or just you know an open invitation to to criticize us. Um, uh, that that's what I found effective. Anyway. Hmm. And, and I would agree. I think surveys certainly have a place, but they shouldn't be the foundation of measuring customer experience. Because to your point, typically it's a low response rate, and it's a certain type of person typically that responds <laughs> yeah. to those. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so when you talk about calling, and I, I've I've had this conversation with a few different um, clients when it comes to calling and do the personal follow up, and the first roadblock I get is I don't have time. You know. And the second yeah. one is, yeah. well, who's supposed to do it? You know, my response to that has been customer experience should drive the success of your organization. So if you don't have time to drive the success of your organization, then maybe there's some other priorities we got to figure out here. Yeah. But how would yeah. you address that question? And who do you think, um, you know, re regardless of maybe title, but who do you think is that person that calls to follow up? Uh, the person that calls to follow up should be the person that's on the front line. That person that made the, the you know, your your PM coordinator should be the person that calls up to follow the PMs. Your service manager should be the one that calls to follow up to see how the repairs went. I think that they, they need to hear from somebody that they're familiar with and that they feel can actually move the needle for them if if they need special attention uh but it, it i i don't think that the sales guys ought to be involved in this i think it should be held at a management level because then the customer knows we're taking it seriously and we really mm -hmm. want to know how they feel uh they see us working you know behind we're, we're pulling the levers behind the curtain and we want to make sure that they're all in the right spot and we're asking their opinion about that 
um, I think we're going to get more honest answers if we go up the chain one notch and, and get the administrative and the management people involved. Mm -hmm. I would agree. And it also has, other than being able to get that immediate feedback, create that relationship with the customer, you know, it also has additional benefit of if a service technician knows that you will be calling and just <laughs> checking in and see, there is, you know, more careful. Somebody, yeah. Yeah. Somebody called it once. Uh, they called it something to the effect of, you know, it's the empty police car on the side of the road that even though there's nobody in the police car, when you see it, you slow down because right. you just right. know that, you know, you're probably speeding. So it sure. does have those additional just benefits to modifying yeah. behavior yeah. within an organization. Sure. You know, so if we stay on, on the technician side specifically, you know, as we talk about customer experience, how do you recommend really communicating that message? So you have the marketing message of what we believe customer experience should be. We know how we want it delivered, but how do you really filter that to service technicians and expect them to deliver it? Well, you make it part of their performance objectives. Uh, you know, uh, having a uh, a score of some sort on on uh, supporting the customer experience uh, model that we have, uh, and you have certain markers and metrics that you're going to use uh, to ensure that those things got done. Uh, you know, you have to bring it down to the to the organic level. Uh, yeah. People don't wrap their head around an idea if if there's not going to be any consequence for not following through with the actions that we're laying out and the actions need to be definable it it you know it can't be a a, a subjective uh, thing for instance if i'm going to have if part of my customer experience is every time i go in i give the customer an example here uh give the customer a uh do a safety check on their equipment and give the customer a safety report. Hey, your LP tank, your chains, your forks, your lights. Uh, I, I checked all of them. Here's what I found. You know, well, that is a definable task. And either that task got done or it didn't get done. And these are things that go into the performance review of the individual customer facing employees. Um, it, it, I, I think that we need to do that on purpose. It, we just yeah. can't wait for the complaints. We actually have to see that we're performing the tasks. I totally agree. Um, you know, I think as we talk about customer experience and changing a lot of times the culture of certain organizations, mm -hmm. um, there can be a lot of roadblocks in doing sure. that. I mentioned a few already, just time, right? Mm -hmm. So what are some of the roadblocks that you've experienced in implementing any of these types of strategies? Yeah, I think the first one is just inertia. It's the status quo, mm -hmm. right? It's, um, I say, believing that your current, that the customer experience you want to provide for customers is working well without making any real effort to measure true satisfaction. You know, it's the 900 pound gorilla in the room is that many dealers are just afraid of the truth. They're afraid of what the customer is going to say. I mean, let's get it on the table. You know, you you really don't want to know what they think. Well, we need to get past that fear because without that, we'll just keep doing things the way we, we've always done them. You know, I always tell a story about 
I looked at some of our own processes that we had in our dealership and I say, if I was a customer, would I like that? Why do we get away with that? How can we get away with that? And the reason we can get away with that is because everyone else's industry is doing it the same way. There is no force constraining us to change. So we have a poor customer service practice that's supported by an entire industry. And, you know, I like to say I'm afraid that customers think of our industry like I think about the uniform business. Let me tell you how I feel about the uniform business. So I went through four <laughs> vendors in three in three years because they couldn't deliver on what they promised. You know, yeah. I think I think uniform businesses are, are really screwed from the beginning. Let me just tell you that because their their goals and our goals are completely at the polar opposite ends, right? They they want maximum wear out of their garments. I want my guys to look like a million dollars every day. And th- right. those two goals are so far apart <laughs> that there's, it's very difficult to reconcile that unless you uh, chart a new course. And so uh, I'm looking at our business and saying, what practices do we have that, that actually do that? The, the fact that what's, what we have now is working, but we don't wanna look at it too close because the amount of work that it will take to change that normal is enor- it seems enormous to us. Yeah. So that that status quo is the first roadblock. The second roadblock is staffing. You cannot expect, I think it's a fool's errand to try to fight the war and draft the new battle plan at the same time. Uh, you can't do it with your existing people. Either you have to reassign certain staff members or add staff members to make a commitment to this kind of change because it will be change. You're going to have to draft SOPs. You're going to have to uh, uh, have regular staff meetings. You're, you're going to have to track and adjust as you go along. And these sort of initiatives are, it's not a one and done. It has to be an ongoing affair. And you're going to have to have people that their entire role in the company is ensuring that each department is carrying out their CX objectives and that they're being measured and that we're actually making progress. And that takes people. And you can't just assign this as an adjunct to what they're regularly doing. I think that, that that's, yeah, that's <laughs> the second uh, uh, roadblock that's mm-hmm. gonna get in the way. Yeah, I love, I think both of those points are great, but as you go on the second one, what I've seen a number of times is people develop these customer experience committees. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you were talking about <laughs> at the end, that you know, it can't just be an add-on to your job. It can't be a committee that does it. It has to be somebody who's really focused because normally committees don't work yeah. because people have a job and right. they don't have time to do the extra stuff. Um, so it has to be a deliberate focus. And I think there's a lot of truth too to your first point about you know, as an industry, we maybe haven't made those strides. And that's why I, I really believe Companies in the material handling space that make a concerted focus on the customer experience have so much opportunity to really compete at such a higher level because so many other companies aren't doing it in this space. Sure, sure. You know, so I, I think mean, those I, are let me give you let me give you if I can just one example of you know because people may be thinking, well, no, we 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 do it we do it right. You know, we're the guys that do it right. And let me just challenge that for a minute because there are practices that are industry wide. One of the practices that we have and that I address with what I do at Resident Dealer Services is that we send a guy out to do a PM or a repair and he completes that PM or that repair. 
And then he looks for other things that are going wrong on the truck. And he notices that the bottom radiator hose is leaking. And he brings that to the attention of the customer. He goes, these are recommended repairs that I found additional repairs that need to be, need to be made. Your bottom radiator hose is leaking. And what does the guy say? The customer says the same thing every time. He says, how much? And the technician says, well, I don't really quote anything. I'm going to bring this back and we're going to have somebody, the service writer will write up a, a, a proposal for you. We'll get it over to you. Then we'll have somebody come out and fix the truck. And the guy says, well, look, the guy's already off the truck. You got the hood up. Just go ahead and do it. Well, you know, I don't have a part on my truck. I mean, somebody would really have to come back anyway. I looked at that, that whole process. And I said, what are we doing? Well, I'm, I'm looking at a buying customer, somebody that wants to do business with me. And I'm having one of my guys with my name on his shirt tell that guy no twice in 15 seconds. Let me tell you, that technician doesn't want to have that conversation and that customer doesn't want to hear those answers. Mm -hmm. So what are we doing to improve that experience? And the answer is, by and large, nothing. We're not doing nothing to correct that because everyone does it the same way. But that I, is I, where customer experience comes into you know, look at that experience and say, is that what we want it to look like? And mm -hmm. if it isn't, what do you have to do? So these are the types of things I'm talking about. I think that's such a perfect example. And I think sometimes we look at it through the lens of the industry we're in instead of looking at the lens of, you know, how we interact in our daily life. If you brought your car into a place to get fixed and the service <laughs> person had the same discussion with you, you'd be pissed. You know, it's and right. we, we justify it because, well, that's different. It's my car I'm bringing it in and this uh, is you yeah. know, a company. And it really isn't different because the things we expect in our personal lives and our personal interactions with companies are the things that our customers expect from us that's when they're dealing. Right. We've yes, just separated absolutely. the two. So I think that's a great point that I could talk. I mean, this podcast, we'll have to have you back because this could have been, you know, a three hour podcast. But you right. have made it to our lightning round of Mahita oh, Talks. Okay. So our lightning round, I have a series of 10 questions. I'm gonna ask you, I try to say, I'll take this as easy on you as possible. Um, so I'm gonna ask you the question and then you're gonna tell us the first thing that comes to your mind. It's our way okay. of getting to know right. our members gonna, a little bit better. I'll try not to think about it too long. All right, you ready? I try yeah. to start off easy. So what is the last thing you ate? The last thing I ate was a bowl of fruit this morning. Oh, good. Would you rather be invisible or have super strength? I'd rather be invisible. <laughs> you do a no lot doubt. of damage. To that. No doubt. How many cups of coffee do you drink a day? Uh, one. That's at my age. That's all I can take. <laughs> do, do you think Jimmy Kimmel is funny? Uh, no, I don't think any of them are funny. <laughs> okay. Um, what temperature do you keep your thermostat at? Uh, it's different in the winter or the summer. Let's go right now. We're, right now, what is your thermostat at? We're going into springish. Seventy-four. Seventy-four. So do you believe right now I'm I have the heater on in my office and my husband is upstairs with the window and the door open. Yeah, so yeah, we, we have that issue. How... <laughs> yeah. Which animal do you think brings more joy to the world, squirrels or llamas? 
<laughs> yeah, squirrels uh, by, by far. I, I can't stand llamas. <laughs> they're, they're dirty and stink <laughs> and, uh, and they're not very llamas. cute. They're not just not very cute. <laughs> On a scale of one to 10, how much do you enjoy garlic? Uh, that'd have to be a nine. Yeah, well, I'm Italian, so uh, you know I can't I can't eat without garlic. The garlic in the fruit bowl this morning. Yeah. Uh, what is one thing that you own that you wish you didn't? Wow, I the first thing that comes to mind, uh, actually golf clubs uh, because they steal <laughs> way too much of my time, and <laughs> I'm constantly rushing myself so that I can I you know I I can uh, get leave time in my schedule for golf, but. If I didn't have golf clubs, I wouldn't have that uh, that dichotomy. <laughs> what time of the day are you most productive? Uh, six in the morning. Six in the morning. Yeah. And then what advice have you received that you felt was the most rewarding? That, that's, that's a great question. The answer is I, I had a wise man tell me one time, don't be so afraid. Uh, and that probably has served me the best. You, you know, you you have a lot. You'll have a lot of fear in your life about what you think you can do, what you think other people think of you, uh, whether what you did was good enough, and that is all wasted energy. You know, believe in yourself and don't be so scared. Just just go do it. And uh, that served me well. I got that advice in my late twenties, and it served me through my life. Great advice. And I think that's a great place to end. So, Dave, we've reached the end. Thank you so much for your time today. Is there any kind of parting words you would like to leave our listeners with? Well, uh, if dealers that are listening to this want to improve their CX and uh, want to look at their processes from the ground up, I'd be happy to uh, to help them do that from an operational standpoint. Uh, there are, are plug-in programs that that kind of change the game for the way we go to market, uh, especially in the aftermarket, and I'd be happy to help in any way. Perfect, and we'll make sure to tag you on our posting of this video so that people can find you easily. So thank Certainly. you again for your time. It was a pleasure, we'll have to have you back. This has been Mahita Talks with Sherry Altergott. Bye everyone.